Okay. Just so you know, Ro, my mother, Nancy, loves you way more than she loves me. (laughs) 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 I'm like, damn. I choke on my quesadilla. (laughs) 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 Yeah, you just let me know when you're ready for this story. I'm ready. Does she listen to the podcast? No. Like, my mom doesn't know how, like, half of the shit I do. She thinks I'm just a bump on a log. (laughs) Well, I'm her favorite bump on the log, apparently. (laughs) So disgusting. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, I'm ready to tell you a story. (laughs) Okay. She's, like, preparing herself mentally. (gasps) Oh, my God. So, first off... My mom calls me this morning and wants me to go pick her up Dunkin' Donuts because apparently this is what you do when you're 60 and retired. She was like, I need two chocolate frosted donuts. And I'm like, what has happened to you? Um, And so I pick them up, whatever, take them to her. And we're just like sitting outside, enjoying the weather. And I like showed her my most recent reel that I created on instagram and she's like what are you trying to be like ro <laughs> and i was just like no i'm trying to be like Damn, me. I'm- exactly yeah. i was like i'm trying to be like me i'm funny and she was like you're not as funny as ro <laughs> and i was like cool awesome mom thanks so much no she needs to keep on going with her ro stuff and she was like, Rose a hot tamale. And I was like, what? Why are you saying this? Well, damn. Well, damn. I'm blushing right now. And I'm not even involved in this story. Exactly. I'm like, oh, um, stop talking to me. Um, yeah. Nancy, I will spice up your life. I will spice up your life. <laughs> a hot tamale i was like well okay now i know this is a very old lady saying this hot tamale a part of me is like ah, so racist and a part of me is like that's okay. what i was like rose oh, definitely gonna be like cool racist <laughs> no 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 nancy you're my uh fifth favorite listener if you ever hear this <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Health Unfiltered Podcast. The gang is here. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and Nicole is already laughing at me. How are you guys doing? I'll tell you what, I'm way more awake and positive than Nicole is. She's over here like, See, this is what happens. Ro is always in a depression and then he comes out for like five seconds and then we're like all in a low spot. Why can't we all just be in the same spot at the same time? This is work. This is a show. People tune in for this. I'll tell you what. There's a special lady in my life. Her name is Nancy. She tunes in all the time. And I'm trying to give my hot tamale sauce away to the listeners. All right? Oh, no. Um, I didn't even realize how like disgusting that, that sounded. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that oh, my God. Well, well maybe if shit. I tell her that you're on the podcast, she'll actually listen. Yeah, yeah, that's what you should do. She's like, I thought it was just you. I'm not fucking listening to that. She's like, but Rose there. I'm not going to listen. Your mom just thinks you're like talking to yourself in a corner with a microphone. (laughs) Literally. Like, who do you think you are? Oh, shit. Amazing. You're a star, baby. You're a star. Well, other than Rose hot tamale juice, what is everyone drinking over here today? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Nicole and I were talking about how like since we record so early, it's like, kind of difficult to drink but fuck it i got a whole day of studying left so i am drinking a slice of heaven it's from i i've had it definitely in like the earlier episodes uh it's from la cumbre which is here in town in albuquerque and i love it it's a great drink nice and crisp and there's no better way to start my day at 12 25 than with a beer so (laughs) cheers damn i forget it's that early there yeah yeah it's It's all good Mm, no meeting, so I'm fine. What about you all? What are you drinking? I'm drinking a sparkling water. I've got 
I've been trying all the flavors because I got bored with LaCroix. I used to be like diehard LaCroix. So this one's an AHA sparkling water. It's mm. blueberry uh-huh. pomegranate. That was oh, that my favorite. I like it. it kind of tastes like a gummy bear. Mm. It's good. Sounds Dig it. Give us a nice little slurp, bro. Get nice and close to the oh. microphone. And... I don't even know how to slurp. I think it was just me gulping. That did not go well. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> What are you drinking, this Nicole? This content sucks. I, oh my god! Listen, I told I told the pod that my mom called you a hot tamale, so that's enough for today. <laughs> but I am drinking water. So that's what you're drinking. Just that's oh. all I'm drinking. Is water. Oh my god! What a I'm gonna have to figure Guys, something it's out. Like, over have to here, do, like, and mocktails like, or something. I don't know. <laughs> that's fair. Well, I haven't had alcohol now, and like I don't even know how long. It's kind of great. I guess you could call me sober curious. Sober curious. Oh See, when I when I tried to say that on the podcast, where I was like, "What are you talking about?" Well, yeah, because I that was my first time learning it. I forgot we even said that. So right now, when I said, "Is that even a thing?" I was reminded that apparently we've talked about it before. We have. But I could make some really good mocktails. I also bought this fancy electric tea kettle for my office that I'm really excited about for this fall and winter, so I can make. (laughs) Are you, why are you laughing at me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just makes you sound so old. Listen, Ro, I am hydrated. You're a, I am thriving. Ro yeah. has no self care. Flirty techniques. and thriving for sure. <laughs> what do you mean? Get yourself I a got tea plenty. kettle. Get yourself some face masks. I don't like tea. Get yourself well, it's like a therapist. The, like <laughs> no, it's you're like asking for too much. Really, he sent like the desk difference. Like I'm that other desk. I've got like. All my uh-huh. things organized, and I've got my oh, tea yeah, kettle, right. this and that. And like, row was the other desk where it's just like <laughs> it just cluttered. Chaos. And I'm like, all right, I need this spot. Let's just move it for now. We'll move it back. Damn, my whole life is chaos. I love it. Oh, Fucking love it. Let's go. Amazing. Mm. Well, let's go to the question of the week. I had Do not it. heard this. I was like fascinated by this question. It says. I read this article online that says lift 70% of your maximum load for best muscle building results based on a study from Cambridge University. Is there any truth to this? I hope not. <laughs> Why do you hope not? <laughs> Sounds like a lot. 70%? Yeah. Of your max load, like your max no, I think PR, the, right? Like yeah, the yeah, max I mean, you could do for one rep? Yeah. I don't even know any of those numbers. So the, so the way that translates, it's like generally it'll be like, what is that? Like 12, 12 reps, whatever what you can do for 12 reps. <clears throat> so when you think about it like that, you're like, oh, like, that doesn't seem like it's too heavy, right? Yeah. Uh, as far as <clears> – <throat> Jesus, sorry. As far as this question and um, I guess article goes, so – it's not like wrong, right? Using 70%, which is when I say 12 reps um, to build muscle, it's like pretty standard. I think a lot of us have worked within like the 8 to 12, 10 to 20 range. So saying 12 seems like it's fine. Uh, as far as like, you know, it's always interesting to hear like science says this. Like, okay, like what? You know, science has also said that doing two reps can build muscle doing 30 plus can build muscle so if you want to use that to validate yourself and be like yes i only have to do 12 reps great like that's fine and maybe you just always do 12 reps for the rest of your life but as long as you're increasing weight then you know it changes right so you're going to get that overload that you need but it's not something that is like the most efficient um because you and I are going to respond differently to different loads and different reps. So uh, when I was, you know, uh, uh, with Evan, Evan would talk about how he's a, he's not a good responder to, um, to volume. It's just something that takes a lot out of him. There's not a big bang for your buck. So he sticks to kind of higher intensity, lower reps. Evan looks great. He's strong. Cool. Um, I think I can definitely beat myself up more um than evan can but also you know it's less than i could before when i was younger so volume kind of changes depending on a lot of things so if you find or if you feel like you're gonna do this feel free to do it try it for you know 
four to six weeks, kind of changing it up with different exercises. Um, and if you see any sort of marked differences than you had before, then maybe keep rolling with it until you don't see changes. But if you're like, I don't really see a difference and I really like my six to 10 range or I really like my 20 plus range, then you just go back. Oh, hello, Celeste. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's like the generally what the thought process is there is like find something that works for you, um, test it out if you'd like to, but there's no like magic formula for the amount of percentage that you need to be lifting as long as you go to failure you know, in the last couple sets of that exercise. Yeah, when I read the article, it was published in like an online magazine type thing. And they were saying that people at the University of Cambridge did this based on mathematics. And they were trying to develop a formula to, to determine how much you need in order to stimulate muscle growth in the most effective way. And like, right there, they kind of lost me because I feel like, all right, a mathematic formula and this one study doesn't mean it's going to automatically translate into being <laughs> sure. the best for the human body all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I like your idea of like, hey, just try it. See, give it at least four to six weeks, see if it works. If not, reassess. Yeah, for sure. And we're going to talk about, I mean, uh, our our um, topic today is we'll touch on that a little bit. But, yeah. I dig it. Yeah, this is a, a really exciting topic that I hope other people are going to be really interested in as well. Um, I know I'm excited, but we're going to be talking about gains. That's, that's the bottom line right there. Always. Specifically, we're going to be talking about hormones and the role that it plays in hypertrophy. So I think hormones have become like a big buzzworthy thing and they certainly are important to support. And so now we're going to learn more about kind of the mechanisms. And, um, if you've ever thought that testosterone was important for gains, you might just get your mind blown this episode. So... <laughs> Roe is going to drop all the knowledge bombs. We're going to try to learn today. Hooray. I dig it. So first, let's define the fancy words. What is hypertrophy? <clears throat> yeah, so um, hypertrophy or hypertrophy, however you want to respond, uh, say it. Um, it's really just an increase in cross-sectional area of the muscle fiber. Um, and in layman's terms, it just means like your muscle gets bigger, right? Increase in the cross-sectional area of the fiber, which means bigger muscles. Um, and this is going to happen by like <clears throat> increasing the amount of proteins within your muscle or increasing the size of the protein within your muscles. Um, so within your muscles, you have these proteins and there's a ton of them, but our main ones are like myosin heavy chains, um, actin, titan, and costumeric proteins. And costumeric proteins really just help to like keep the structure of your um, muscle cell and and therefore your muscle belly uh, in shape. But the myosin heavy chains and the actin are like responsible for sliding over one another so that we actually like move, right? So if I curl a dumbbell, right, and I my giant bicep balls up, right, that is the act of myosin and actin kind of sliding over one another so that we can produce force. Um, and that's really like the, the easiest way to think about it. Right. And it's, it's our, it's a theory still, but it's like our most sound theory. I, I really can't think about how else things would work, but, um, yeah, that's how, that's what we know about hypertrophy so far <clears throat> or specifically like the muscle and then exactly what hypertrophy is. Very cool. It's interesting that we know a lot about the human body, but not everything. So still we don't know jack shit. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about the role <clears throat> hormones play in exercise. What are the hormones that are released during exercise and what do they do? Yeah, good question. So um, I think it's like overall, whether it's like endurance training and resistance training, we we'll just kind of generalize and lean more towards resistance training just because we're focused on gains and fuck endurance training. You know, you know how I do. Um, wow. But you're going to release like epinephrine, norepinephrine, uh, glucagon, insulin, and cortisol. Um, and, and really the, the big players there are going to be like epinephrine. Um, so adrenaline is going to help to vasodilate. It's going to increase in heart. It's going to cause increases in heart rate. And it's also going to cause increases in force contraction. So specifically your heart, right? Like if I'm trying to run harder or work harder, 
this hormone is going to be like, ooh, we got to go. And so the heart's going to be like, okay, we're alive. Cool. Um, norepinephrine works more of like a, a vasodilator. So it's going to constrict smaller blood vessels so that we can divert um, blood to other places that need to actually be there. Uh, glucagon uh, is a hormone that stimulates release of glucose from the liver into the bloodstream. So this is important, especially for um, those long duration exercises, because we don't want to go hypoglycemic. So we don't want to have less blood sugar, and then we're going to perform less. So glucagon is going to do its job to release carbohydrates really into your bloodstream so you can continue to use those carbohydrates for fuel. Uh, and then uh, insulin also plays a role in getting that uh, glycogen or that glucose into the muscle. Um, but during exercise, it's less prevalent. And during recovery is when it really tends to, to increase. And then um, the main ones, I think that when people think about hormones, and especially when it comes to gain, it's are like testosterone, um, growth hormone, IGF-1, right? These are things that like, everyone's like, yeah, I'm trying to get my fucking testosterone out for <laughs> like, yeah, of course we want more growth hormone, like listen to the name, right? Um, but testosterone's role is really to help with lipolysis. So it's going to help to break down fats. Um, it is going to help to kind of stimulate some pathways, which is what we'll talk about uh, later. Growth hormone, um, also going to help with lipolysis. And it's also going to promote insulin growth factor one, which is IGF-1. And IGF's main role is to kind of promote production of lean muscle mass through mTOR. Um, and it's activated from growth hormone. So that's why a lot of people will be like, yeah, growth hormone's great because it's going to increase IGF-1 and that's going to increase my, my gains. Um, so all of those hormones are kind of being released throughout exercise, before exercise, um, after exercise, depending on the type of exercise, the intensity, and, you know, how much recovering you have to do based off of, uh, that exercise. So yeah, beautiful system of, uh, keeping us alive and going really. Yeah. And it's this huge cascade complicated thing. It's not just like, yeah, more testosterone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. So now that we defined hypertrophy, how can we make this happen? Like, how do we actually get this to occur? Yeah, so I think uh, everyone knows you got to train hard and often eat your meals and sleep good. And that's that's like the that's what we tell people, because really, that's what it is, right? If I'm lifting weights, I'm going to induce some sort of stimulus onto my body. Um, in order to recover from that, I need the proper nutrients, I need the proper recovery, like sleeping, and that's going to give me those gains, right? So that's why we generally just try to keep it at that level. Because, you know, do you really need to know all the mechanisms? Absolutely not. But we're going to talk about it <laughs> this episode, right? Um, so there's, there's, I think, a paper in 2010. And I, the only reason I can do this right now is because I'm studying for comps. So I'm like, this shit's still fresh. A paper in 2010 by uh, Stu Phillips talks about how there's like two ways that we can look at adaptations to um or adaptations that cause hypertrophy and there's membrane mechanisms and tension sensors uh, so with the membrane there's a specific thing that happens um it's a release of phosphatidic acid uh, and that activates a protein kinase which is involved in muscle protein synthesis and so if we have higher muscle protein synthesis and we have higher chances of creating an environment for gains, right? It's going to be more difficult to tell my body, hey, let's take these nutrients and put them into our muscles if we don't have uh, proper recovery, if we're uh, injured, if we don't have enough food, right? So if I do have a better environment, then my body is going to switch more to an anabolic um, effect and try to build up my body or my system. So that was membrane uh, mechanisms. And the really important ones that we're still, I mean, we're still trying to figure out a lot of things, but uh, we're still really trying to solidify is the tension sensors. Um, so I talked about how myosin and actin chains kind of uh, rub over one another in order to move, in order to create force. But 
force is produced because of those myosin cross bridges. And from there, all of that force is going to go through our cells, go through the extracellular matrix, go through the cytoskeleton in order to produce tension. So we get this mechanical signal, which is picking up and curling the dumbbell that translates itself into an electrical stim stimulus, which then leads to, you know, all a cascade of um, adaptations. And so within the muscle, we have the cytoplasmic, cytoplasmic reticulum and T-tubules, and they're what are responsible for carrying that action potential. And the action potential is that um, mechanical tension that's been turned into the electronic stimulus. And that's going to release calcium, and that's going to cause the actinomyosin chains to kind of move. Um, and that's like the brief <coughs> overview. But it's this beautiful cascade that I really just want to touch on because it's like you curl. You generate an action potential. That action potential releases uh, a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine. That depolarizes these transverse tubules and the sarcomeres. And what depolarization means that we're really um, bringing down the electrical barrier so that it becomes more active. Um, through that, because now we've released this barrier, we're going to release calcium from the sarcoplasmic reticulum. The calcium then is going to bind to um, this protein called troponin tropomyosin, and that's within one of those muscle chains, which is the actin filament. When it's binded there, it's actually going to shift so that there's now an opening for a myosin to bind with an actin. That's those two main muscles, again, our main chains. Once an ATP comes in, uh, it, when it splits, that's going to cause the actual movement. And so by this time, right, we've gotten our curl to actually finally do the movement of curling. Um, and that was through the release of calcium, which is also why we talk about why your micronutrients are really important and why you need to be good about supplementing things in a proper way, because these things do matter, uh, especially when it comes to just like literally moving your skeletal muscle. Um, and this can continue until calcium remains high, um, because once we don't have enough calcium, that troponin tropomyosin is going to move back. And it's going to block the ATP or it's going to block the actin and the myosin from being able to uh, come back together. And so now you're not going to have any sort of movement and then you relax. Um, and that's like the uh, easiest way, I guess, if that was easy to explain how a mechanical signal becomes an electrical stimulus. Um, but it's really important there that not once did I mention anything about like hormones, right? I didn't say like testosterone comes in, nothing about IGF. Like this was just specifically what happens within the muscle in order to perform any sort of movement. Um, and so as you do those things, right, consistently, that's how we get hypertrophy because all of that is going to set off a cascade, which we'll talk about um, to get us to the goal of, you know, getting bigger. That's crazy. The human body is mind-blowing. Mm. Yeah, I'm... and it's it's weird to think about, like, a mechanical stimulus being turned into an electrical one. It's yeah. really neat, you know? Mm. The only thing we had to literally learn for our nutrition and dietetics, like, to become registered dietitians on our test is we did need to know about actin and myosin and the sliding filament theory, and that was really it. Like, so yeah. we don't know a lot about this stuff, so it's <laughs> cool to hear. Nobody you know, should know this stuff. How does it actually work? <laughs> Yeah, it's and it's so weird to think about that it's like a theory, you know, because so much of our the science has been built upon it. And if we ever found something that I mean, it's like we're pretty sure it's it, like 90 percent. But if we found something that would change that, then all of this stuff might change. Right. We might be missing something or it may not be the end of it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the stuff that got me into Skeletal or like muscle cells to begin with. I was like, oh, that's how that happens. It's not like you just pick something up and it's done. Like, no, there's a lot of <laughs> shit that goes on uh, for you to be able to do that. 
So if they ask yeah. you this question on your comps, you're just going to be like, go listen to episode 41 of the Health yeah. Podcast. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I also like, uh, I think they've already turned in their questions and this won't come out for another two weeks. Uh, so, you know, by then it'll be fine. But I'm hoping, man, I'm really hoping I get this question because I think I'll do really well on it. Yeah, this is basically um, like, side a, note, this today's is like a, a study session. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you're really killing exactly. two birds with one stone right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What else do you guys want to learn about? Um, and then, yeah, side note, today's the 23rd. Shout out to my mo- my mom and dad. It's their 33rd anniversary. 32nd. 32nd anniversary. I think. Oh, that's my it. gosh. I know. A bunch of old farts. Thanks uh, for listening, guys. We love <laughs> well, you. Well, I'm glad that y'all love each other. Yeah, 32 years. Yeah, at least, or they, or they fake it really well. <laughs> I, I think you would know, bro. No, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. To parent you, it takes a united front. You that's fair. That. That's fair. I'm the only reason they're being held they're together. They're like, oh my God, <laughs> what number were you? Like, in, in I was what two. order? Oh yeah. my. And they well, kept so, going? Well, so, yeah, I'm, yeah, we had four. So it was Ariana, me, Sam, and Alisa. And then favorites, it goes me, and then everyone else is tied for a second. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's up for debate. Oh, no, you can ask them all. That's Every a theory that's ninety like, percent yep. proven. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it really is. Just it's a goes fact. to show that you really are one of a kind. Like I am the wonder child. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh man! Wow, love you guys. Okay, so <laughs> we talked about how something mechanical turns to electrical and all that good stuff. So if it's not hormones, then what is the actual mechanisms for hypertrophy? So I think that it all really stems from that um, that electrical stimulus. Um, specifically, it's it's it all flows through uh, mTOR, and mTOR, mTOR is um, yeah. Like you, like you're the like only I've thing known I remember. that. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, do, remember. what do you what do you remember about mTOR? Nicole? I just remember the word. Like every time you say mTOR, mm. I'm just Ro like, talks about it a lot. I've heard this word before, but I don't know. Yeah, what yeah. It yeah. Means. Like light light bulb goes off. Um, yeah, so it stands for either mechanical or mam- mammalian um, target of rapamycin, which doesn't matter. I just have to know that as a definition. <laughs> um, but it's like it's like all the hypertrophy pathways lead to mTOR C1 and mTOR C2. And you can stimulate mTOR either through mechanical loading, uh, insulin, because there's in- insulin dependent and insulin dependent pathways for it. Um, which is also going to involve um, insulin growth factor one through mechanical stimulation and then ingestion of proteins. Um, and this is part of the reason why we harp on people getting their meals in, you know, maybe eating consistently because that may help to keep muscle protein synthesis high. And that's going to maybe keep mTOR a bit more upper like regulated, which is going to, again, maybe lead to more hypertrophy. So there's a um, lot of maybes. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, this whole thing is just a shit ton of maybes. Um, but, you know, if, if you're like, if you are trying to be in the top, you know, 0-1% of bodybuilders or someone that needs to have a lot of muscle mass, those maybes add up. But for 90% of the population, like, whatever, you know, eat when you have to eat, make sure you get all your macronutrients in, micronutrients in, and then it's good. Um, but specifically that when you when you load the... The muscle, right? We ta- we've talked about that electrical stimulation, and that's gonna all go to mTOR, and that's gonna be through pathways like PIP3, AKT, like all these things that don't matter for the general listener. Um, and all of that, mTOR is gonna proliferate out, and it's going to lead to protein synthesis. It's gonna lead to cell growth. It's gonna lead to uh, translation of you know mRNA. Um, ribosomes, so ribosomal biogenesis, which uh, if you remember those old like diagrams of like a cell, like ribosomes were those floating red dots, like we need those for a lot of different things. Um, it's going to also help to increase uh, mitochondrial biogenesis. And we know that mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell. Um, and then it's also going to help with nutrient control because it might send out signals that say like, hey, let's kind of cut more fat or let, let's utilize more fats or more carbohydrates because we're in this building state. So again, not, not really a role for hormones to play there. Um, unless we talk about, uh, how they may help to release calcium 
And so an increase in calcium is going to help with this electrical stimulation, which is going to lead to, again, maybe stimulating mTOR. Um, but so far, like nothing about hormones, right? It's all mm-hmm. just been due to the mechanical stress of loading a weight into your arms or your body or something. Okay. So if hormones are not a part of any of this process thus far, why does every bro scientist <laughs> and their buddy think that all that matters is like testosterone and growth hormone? Yeah, I think because it's cool as fuck to think about, <laughs> you know, like you're like, fuck yeah, I'll just increase my test and, you know, we'll get a bunch of muscle. Um, I, I It's definitely important, right? It does play a role, but I think in the past 10 years, definitely, I guess, 11 years now, um, we've learned that it doesn't play as big of a role as we once thought it was. Because you're right. I mean, if you picked up, I mean, you can even pick up magazines now that it's like top 10 exercises to boost testosterone, top building you know exercises to blast your they always say blast blast your metabolism (laughs) you know skyrocket testosterone and stuff and i think so much of it is just that it's like it's it's a much easier sell right than being like increase your mTOR pathway which will lead to you know no one gives a shit about that (laughs) so i think it's it's easier uh to market one two it's definitely like it's just a a fundamental misunderstanding of uh the science and correlations that that we saw um so that like i said they definitely play a role it's just much smaller um if you take exogenous testosterone so if you take steroids like you will get bigger right so Mm -hmm. when we see that we're like oh of course testosterone helps then right there's like one piece of evidence that it for sure should um when males go through puberty right out of nowhere they skyrocket in height muscle mass kind of comes on they start to grow hair right another reason why people can be like oh yeah testosterone is clearly helping develop a young boy into like a young man so that's like the second thing um women tend to have like 15 to 40 times less testosterone than males do and women tend to be smaller and less muscular than men so People will also look at that and be like, yeah, of course, like testosterone is what I need to be a bigger man or to be a man or whatever. Um, And so that's like those are the, I guess, subjective things that you can look at. Right. The things that I see with my eyes are showing me that testosterone is necessary when it comes to like the science. Right. So let's dig into testosterone levels um, within males, within females. when we exercise, there are some increases in testosterone, growth hormone, and IGF-1. Um, and the mo- most times they, they really spike afterwards. Um, and that's for a reason we'll get to uh, in a bit. But let's say we do exercise, okay? We exercise, my testosterone is fucking skyrocketed, it's through the roof or whatever, and I'm peaking. Right. The peak levels of testosterone that I'll have throughout the day will come after I do a hard lift or something. And that's going to last about 60 minutes after. Right? So it'll peak. And then for an hour after, it's upregulated. But like, is that enough time to see any sort of like change? Probably not. I, uh, when it does peak and we're, we're talking in averages here, um, The average male will float between 400 and 700 nanograms per deciliter in testosterone values within your blood. When you exercise, on average, it can get up to like 650. So you're still below that like physiological ceiling, but it's still very high, right? Especially compared to 4, 3, 2, or even 100 if you have low testosterone. For growth hormone, it's going to peak 15 minutes afterwards, and then it's going to have like a nice slow decrease because after an hour, it's like back to baseline. And so going back to what we were talking about, about whether like that's enough time to elicit any sort of changes, like, no, I don't, I don't think so. Like if, you know, if exercising for an hour leads to an hour of increases in hormones afterwards, like what's going to happen for the next 22 hours? Like how is that – like the hormones have played their role. Like they're not sitting around. They're not helping to facilitate things. Right? It's not like elevated in the blood for two days or anything. So when you look at that, 
it's like another strike against hormones because they've peaked and now they're done. And so how do we expect anything to come out of that? Um, And the reason they do peak is because we're trying to recover. So if I just had a hard workout, I'm going to do my best to increase my glucose getting sent to my muscles, to do my best to break down fats in order for, um, you know, recovering uh, specifically with like the oxidative pathway, but growth hormone and testosterone are really responsible for like regulating fat loss, I guess. Um, really just a breakdown of fat so that you can use it as energy. So important, yes, but like not the reason for hypertrophy. So this is what I'm picturing in my mind. Tell me if I'm wrong, but it kind of sounds like hormones are really like turning the light switches on and off for things to go do what they need to do down the right pathway. Like, oh, we need glucagon to break down the glucose to get to the muscles. That's like this breakdown. And then, you know, you have these hormones that like signal all these different things versus directly affecting hypertrophy. Yeah. So you, I think that's a great way to think about it. I think it may be also like, uh, boss man walks into workplace for like an hour. I'm going to make sure you guys are actually working and then I'm out of here, right? Like no longer really doing the work, right? The workers are the ones that are like, okay, we got to put shit away or we have to help build this up. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think thinking about it as a light switch is also a great analogy because, but but I think the problem, I guess if I'm, (laughs) I'm like, well, the semantics, right? Is in order for power to continue going, that light switch has to be on. Whereas like hormones are are no longer like really present. So it would be like, you know, if you could flip it on for once for an hour a day and then turned it off, but then the lights were still on. But they're like the control center kind of of the body. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like like I, they're facilitators of hypertrophy, I think. Um But yeah, I mean, like you said, the 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 testosterone is gonna are those things and really the I don't want to confuse it. The act of exercising, right? Specifically, um, those electrical signals that we had are going to increase mTOR. And that can stay upregulated for like two days. And so when you look at if mTOR is upregulated for two days, and we know it's going to lead to more hypertrophy, but testosterone and growth hormone and stuff are not, then... Now it's like, okay, let's shift our focus to away from the hormones and more towards these pathways that we know directly affect them. And now we know stay upregulated for way, way longer. I mean, an hour compared to two days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's really no no comparison, um, comparison there. So, yeah, they yeah. just play different roles. Interesting. Okay, so... You kind of talked a little bit about this earlier, but this is an interesting subject to me. So we know if people take steroids, they get bigger. Like, why does that happen? How does that work then? (laughs) Because steroids are sick. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a super fair question, right? Because, I mean, we know that people who take steroids are huge, right? Um, I think, so like I said, hormones and specifically, you know, testosterone, growth hormone, instant growth factor, they help. Uh, They're not the main drivers of hypertrophy. And we do see that there are increases in testosterone after we've worked out, right? But they also are transient and they never go above your threshold. So if my numbers are between 400 and 700, and even if my hardest workouts, I get up to 625, 675, maybe I hit 700, but I will never go over 700 unless I have some sort of exogenous force or or, um, source of testosterone. And so once you've crossed over that physiological ceiling, you're now into super physiological areas. And that's where the cheat codes are, right? Because it's no longer like, hey, I have free-flowing testosterone within my body that I can utilize. Now it's like, hey, I'm giving you way more logs to build the house i'm giving you way more nails to build this house so all i'm gonna do now is because i have all that extra testosterone 
is I'm going to do things like increase protein synthesis. Uh, it's going to help with decreasing breakdown. Uh, more specifically, it's going to help with satellite cells. And satellite cells are um, – they play a pretty big role in hypertrophy. Um, but also they can, you can get hypertrophy without getting more of them. And they're, they're, they're called quiescent cells. So they're like quiet cells that don't really do much. They sit on, uh, really the top of a muscle. And once there's some sort of stress that induces the muscle, then the satellite cells will move in and be like, Ooh, we have new nuclei. We have to create more muscle, whatever. I think it helps more with like injuries and it does hypertrophy. But if you get testosterone, then it's like, oh, we're all awake now. So we're just going to shove a bunch of satellite cells into the muscle. And if I have more satellite cells, I'm going to have more nuclei. If I have more nuclei, I'm going to have more ability to create more muscle fibers, more muscle cells, because I've added in more brains to the system. And so each muscle fiber has one, or that's not true. There's muscle cells are like the only cells that are multinucleated. So there's a lot of nuclei. So if I just add in more engines to this to this muscle, right, I can build way more. And so that's a huge reason why testosterone can help because not only are you like, you know, increasing the pathways, but you're giving them more mTORs, essentially. You're giving them more of every pathway and that's going to uh, come down to having bigger muscle becoming way stronger. Um, and I think it's super interesting and also really sucks that even with small amounts of TRT, so what is that? Testosterone replacement therapy. They'll give something like 200 milligrams per week and or biweekly, 200 milligrams biweekly. And even with that, you'll have sustained levels of around 815 nanograms per deciliter which means that that's above that you know average of 700 so even with trt like yes you're getting back to normal levels but you are also getting a bit of a bump now the whole point of trt is because your levels are so low right i mean at least if you use it in the right way right your levels are so low you need some sort of kickstart so if i give you more than you can handle it's going to kind of help to upregulate some things and then hopefully you fall back in within that 400 and 700 once you pop off of it. But if you continue to abuse it or you do more, right, then then that's when you're going to see like a huge increase in gains because, again, you're just like cheating your system. Um, and people who don't exercise, who take steroids, also build more muscle sometimes than people who don't take steroids but work out. And so, like, as a young male, when I see that, I'm like, well, fuck that. I'm just going to take steroids, you know? <laughs> like, why wouldn't I do that? Uh, but, I, you know, I got to wait until I'm, like, at least 50 and I have no use for my balls anymore. And then I'm like, all right. Oh, wow. Now I can, oh, now I can take them. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, that's, like, steroids for sure help. You know, I, I think it's very difficult to say that they don't. Um but the reason this they This is not help... medical advice in any way. No, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Also that, definitely, definitely talk to your Legal doctor. disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> but it, yeah, I'm definitely not saying to take steroids because like I said, it can, I mean, they, I wasn't even going to talk about it this episode, but like steroids can, can yeah, it increases the muscle, but then it increases, it's not like you, you're just increasing your biceps, right? Your heart is a muscle. Your lungs like are muscles. So- there's a chance and what really happens is you get like enlarged heart and then that's going to, you know, potentially cause cardiac arrest. Um, if you get too strong too early, right. And your ligaments and tendons haven't caught up, then there's a higher chance for you to just blow a peck out or like tear a bicep. Um, anyone who's seen those videos, like they're, they're horrible, right. I've seen people do it in the gym. Like in person? Uh, yeah, for like oh some my. friends. I know multiple people that have pulled God. biceps and hamstrings. And I'm like, uh, Yeah, like, but like, I've never seen it happen like in person, like I was watching someone. Otherwise, I would have been like, I'm, I'm out of here. It's just, it's disgusting, you know, because it's like, it's a rubber band. It just snaps all the way back. Um, so that like, that's, that's why you don't, it's one of the main reasons you don't take exogenous um, testosterone or, or steroids. Um Another one is because it can blow, literally blow your heart up. 
Uh, and so, yeah, if you are deciding or thinking about it, blah, 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 the best thing you can do is have a smart doctor in your corner that is going to talk to you about all these things and is also going to guide you. You should never just find the biggest guy in the gym and just be like, hey, can you just shoot this up my ass or into my ass? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a difference. Uh, Freudian slip. Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> like shoot it into my ass and then like hope that it's okay because one, you don't know if it's real, right? Or if it's just like oil from Mexico or some shit. Uh, two, you don't know what it's going to do to you. Like you you aren't taking blood measurements. Uh, and then three, like again, can cause some serious damage and take literal years off of your life if you don't do it. So, um, or if you don't do it in a smart way. So yeah, like the, the last thing I wanted from this episode is obviously not to get people to take steroids, but everyone, I don't want to say everyone, a lot of people think about it, right? People are like, oh yeah, just let me do one cycle. Just let me like, nah, nah, nah. But part of the reason once you take, steroids is that you can no longer be natty is because you've cheated the system by putting more nuclei into your muscle cells so even when you get off of testosterone then you still have like the makeup of having more muscles and from there you can still get really strong uh so if anyone ever says like oh i'm still you know, I never used it. Never really f- helped me, but I did do it for like six months or a year, and like, yeah, of course, that, that fucking helped. Um, so yeah, talk to your doctors, kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's guys and girls. This was like fascinating. I feel like I learned so much. I always do when you present on the exercise science nerd stuff. I, I just wrote cool. it down yeah. as a hour towards my imaginary PhD. Check. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You're like, uh, this is continuing ed courses, yeah. please. Uh, yeah, but how whack is that? The one thing I think about is like someone could sit on the couch, take 600 milligrams, and then be more jacked in 12 weeks than someone who's like hitting their meals, sleeping right, and exercising. And then it's like, what the fuck? Like, why did I just waste my time doing that? But you but got wasn't a, lot a waste. more adaptation. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't a waste. You learned great habits. You took care of yourself. Yeah, uh, it's but just it's also like, but what, a, I think what else all. happens to them by taking it? Like, I mean, how does it impact like the rest of their life? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, <laughs> if you do it just to like get muscle, right? Then it's like, what are you doing, right? Uh, <laughs> but if if you're doing it to help with like your sex drive and stuff, like maybe that's helping a bit. But you are going to get, like, back knee. You are going to, like, break out your bone structure, especially if you're, like, a a female, is going to change a lot. Um, And also, uh, there's there's, uh, three kinds of, I think it's uh, three, like, categories of, I'm, like, pull out my notes because I'm trying to remember this, steroids and it's like their testosterone derivatives dihydrotestosterone derivatives and then nandrolone derivatives and they all do different things and so nicole you asked like how is this going to change their life like if you take testosterone one of the problems with testosterone is that it um aromatizes fairly quickly and that means that like the carbon chain like breaks in some way i'm not a biochemist i don't know how but it breaks and then it becomes estrogen And so if you have too much estrogen in your system and you're a male, right, then you're going to start to develop um, like uh, what's the best way to say titties, breasts. You're going (laughs) to develop breasts, right, because that estrogen is going to lead you to becoming, you know, like more sensitive, lead you to having um, like breast tissue. And then from there, that's that's how people get like – gynecomastia that's what i was looking for because they're just pumping testosterone in without realizing that that turns into something else and it turns into estrogen and if you don't have that balance right then testosterone no longer becomes like the the predominant uh hormone it actually decreases over time because you keep pumping this stuff in so your so your balls are like well i don't have to make anymore and so when you stop now you just have super high levels of estrogen and no testosterone and then you just start to um, develop more 
female body traits, I guess is like the best way to put it. I'm not trying to get canceled, you know, but I'm <laughs> like, how do you say this? Um, yeah. And so like, that's, that's why you might use the testosterone derivatives more for like cutting the dihydrotestosterone more for, um, no, that's cutting bulking was the, t- the testosterone. And then other ones that like kind of do it in a more efficient manner, but there's a lot of ways that they can fuck you up which is why we talk about having a doctor and making sure you're getting a blood checked if you decide to do this. So. And I know there are actual medical providers who will do that in a safe environment. Like they exist. Sure. So don't, yeah. uh, you know, meet some sketchy guy next to a dumpster outside of Planet Fitness. Yeah, they also probably cost a lot of money. So <laughs> so make sure you can pay that. Uh, <laughs> worth it. Fascinating. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ro. Of course, I love it. I love it. Um, I stayed awake. I stayed awake, Ro. Be happy. Thank you. Thank you so much for staying awake during my I was my, like, some of, these words, some of these words are triggering me um, okay. from like a pastime that made me realize like, why did I choose to get a science degree? I have no idea. I have no idea. You love it. I actually you love what it. you do, right? I do so. love it. But it's just like sometimes when we get into the nitty gritty, it's just like this is actually insane. Like, how does yeah, our disgusting. body do all these things? For sure. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, this is interesting science, but I'm more interested in helping with the practical application and helping mm-hmm. people implement, which is great because right. that's what I do for my job. But <laughs> yeah. sometimes I'm just like, cool, yeah, all right, study, study, study. Awesome. Can you just tell me what it means so that I can help people implement <laughs> this practical part? Yeah. And that's why I said, like, the, the main thing is, like, how do we get hypertrophy? Like, you lift. Like, okay, but. <laughs> How many people are like, but how? And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, now I can talk to you about this. <laughs> but the rest of them, it's like, I literally could not give a shit. Nice. That's fair. All right. Well, quick outro for everyone. Thank you all so much for listening and being around. We're happy to be back from our summer vacay. Please subscribe to the podcast, like, share. All those things really help us. And so we appreciate you all. Um, Row is currently accepting clients as you can tell he's very passionate and will tell you a lot more than what you need to know about exercise okay um no he's great i i've enjoyed working with ro he's done a lot of my programming so highly recommend from experience um nicole is our intuitive eating health at every size dietitian and she is absolutely incredible at what she does helping people through breaking down old diet culture mentality and actually learning how to fuel your body in an intuitive way highly recommend Um, I am a dietitian that does sports nutrition stuff, and I do a lot of functional nutrition testing, and I love to nerd out over data and numbers and then how we can apply it to your life and fix it. Uh, So please follow us at Health Unfiltered Pod and reach out to us. We love to connect. We'd love to hear from you all via DM. Um, And on that note, I'm going to pass it to you, Ro. Take us out. Oh, my God. Cue that music. (laughs) Look at it. (laughs) Bye. Bye, y'all.